Hello and welcome to the 2000s Chart Show, the podcast celebrating the music of the noughties, one UK top 40 at a time. This week, it's 10th of May, 2003, and music sounds a little bit like this. Right, we are always and forever the V-Birds. Anyone who listened to last week's show will know what that's about. And if not, just you wait until a few places time on the chart and we'll go into it again. But you heard there Junior Senior, Lil Kim, Kelly Rowland, Craig David, and of course the V-Birds, all of which are in the UK top 40 singles chart this time 20 years ago. We're going to be exploring all of those and much more on this week's podcast. But first... Let's set the scene for the May the 10th, 2003, get you in the mood. Obviously, the first thing you're going to have to do is throw your phone in the bin and delete this podcast because such things don't exist where we are. So I'm not sure how you're going to keep listening to this, but if you've somehow managed to transcend that barrier, let me tell you that in the United States, the number one song on the Billboard charts this week is Get Busy by Sean Paul, not featuring in this week's chart in the UK, but there are some equal bangers out there. Also, what else is going on? The May 2003 tornado outbreak sequence is taking place, according to onthisday.com. I don't know what that is, but somewhere in the world in May 2003, it's getting blowy, batting down the hatches. And of course, who can forget that this was the day when Milan Vuksevic, the Yugoslavian chemist and a grandmaster of chess problem composition, died at 66. Obviously, rest at peace. All of my big chemist and chess problem composition heads out there, obviously mourning his loss. Hopefully that has got you in the spirit for this week's chart. There are nine new entries, big songs. You've heard three of them there in our intro from Kelly Rowland. Craig David and Lil Kim. There are a few more that we were going to get into very shortly, but first, let's get this week's chart kicked off with number 40, Destination by DT8 featuring Roxanne Wilde. taste for you there of destination for copyright reasons we can't hear play the full songs but head over to the 2000s chart show spotify account where you can hear the entire top 40 in full minus a few songs that record labels haven't got off their ass to put onto spotify yet and then you can kind of listen along we are searching for a way to play those whole songs with you but for now i can just give you a little taste but i can give you some absolutely huge news last week dt8 was a new entry and we speculated what an odd name it was dt8 whether it was supposed to be a kind of pun on the word detonate like detonate but i was setting up the twitter account for the 2000s chart show which you can follow at 2000s chart show that's the numbers 
at the beginning to 000s chart show and so i was like okay start following some people i'll follow this the week's new entries from last week and in that I discovered that DTA is Darren Tate. So, in fact, this whole time, it was presumably D-Tate, which blew my mind wide open. Of course, I should have known. It was 2003. We were using that 8 for everything. Well, everything that had the letters A-T-E in it. Anyway, I hate you. I want to go on a date. Uh, Rude things that I'm not going to say on a podcast that, uh, for the moment... We're trying to keep away from that little E on Spotify, but but let's move swiftly on. That was a painful segment, but I'll tell you what doesn't have to hurt how incredibly Alan Partridge that link was. This is number 39, Love Doesn't Have to Hurt by Atomic Kitten. Love Doesn't Have to Hurt by Atomic Kitten, down from 33 last week in its fifth week on the chart. I mean, since it's number nine, probably it's last. But we are able to give it the perfect send-off here because it's going to introduce a brand new game that I'm very excited about. This is a podcast celebrating pop culture ephemera of 20 years ago. And so I was very excited when I found a series of smash hits top trumps if you're not aware of top trumps i'm not sure if the kids still play top trumps i don't know who the kids are who are listening to a naughty nostalgia podcast but who am i to question top trumps was a game in which you had a series of cards which would be in categories you might have sharks of the world landmarks fhm babes to kind of put us back into that 2003 spirit but this edition was smash hits And so every card had a different pop star on it and six categories. Crew, which is how big the band they were in is, I think. War Factor, which I I don't think that was on the shark cards. I don't think they were rating sharks by fours, but they were rating pop stars by four, which I assume is uh, how attractive they were decided. I don't know whether that was decided by Top Trump's head office or whether that was the job of the Smash Hits writers. Hopefully someone will write in and tell me that. Uh, hits is the next category how many songs they've had kind of singles when they were born brackets youngest wins because pop as you know is an age game height in centimeters and then smash hits factor which to jump ahead liz from atomic kittens smash hits factor is 45 not sure whether that's out of 100 or out of 50 and also i don't really know what that means who has decided that it's a mystery what you would do is pick your card and you would read one of those that you thought was quite high. And if it is a higher number, then you would win that card from your opponent. And the person who has all the cards at the end is the winner of Top Trumps. And so in 2003, this is the second edition. The first edition was a uh, smash hit. They did a series which features a number of pop stars who are in this week's chart. So I thought as a running game, not only at the end will we announce a number one single for the week according to the chart, but we will also announce who, which pop star has won the smash hits mini tournament to be named the pop star of the 10th of May 2003. 
each time one of these comes up, I will pick a category, and then the next time a card comes along, we will fight them, and whoever wins stays on another day to become the pop star of the moment. So, let's look at Liz Atomic Kitten's stats. That's another thing to note here. Smash Hits, my favourite bits that they had, is that any pop star that's in a band, their surname is the name of that band. And so we are dealing here with Liz Atomic Kitten, presumably a double-barreled name. Her parents, Henry Atomic and Diane Kitten, of course, bringing the two dynasties together and then giving birth to Liz Atomic Kitten. Before we do, we pick our category for Liz, is reading out the little bio they've given us, the pop file, as it's called on the card. So, Scouse Trio Atomic Kitten survived the loss of one member bracket, Kerry, who went off to get married to Brian Westlife. That's uh, an interesting thing to mention from this week's chart because Brian Westlife leaves Kerry after, I think, having an affair with Delta Goodrum, who's upcoming in this week's chart. So, the undercurrents of 2000s pop scandal are bubbling in this. But moving on back to the card, and since that traumatic time, they've never looked back. Some people would even go as far as to say they are the perfect pop group. But we wouldn't. That would be silly. Of course, perfect, they're spelt P-U-R-R, because they are Atomic Kitten, the cats. I would say that's a good final sentence. You wouldn't go as far to call them the perfect pop group, both because it's a bad pun, and also because calling Atomic Kitten the perfect pop group in a time where Girls Aloud exists is just, I don't know, rude? And obstinate and inaccurate and offensive. We have so crew obviously three Liz, Natasha, and Jenny. War factor eighty seven. That's a that's a high level of war for Liz Atomic Kitten. The picture that they've chosen for her, not her warrior's moment. There's some very chunky highlights, but I guess that was the look of the time. So maybe that is what made her so war for the Smash Hits readers. Hits ten. We just heard one of them. There, love doesn't have to hurt. Born, youngest wins. So she was born on the 10th of April, 1981, which makes her 22 at the time of this chart, which is, as a 30-year-old, heartbreaking and mind-boggling. Height in centimetres, she's 173 centimetres. And then that smash Hicks factor is 45. Now, that four factor is very high. Can't deny that. But I'm I'm going to take a risk with this smash Hicks factor, I think. Because if it's out of 50... That's a very high score. If it's out of 100, oh, we're in trouble. So, 45 smash hits factor is the one to beat. We will see when we come to our next pop star who has the great honour of getting a smash hits top trumps card. Very much the OBE of the 2003's pop world. We will see if they can beat Liz Atomic Kitten. Before then, we have to listen to our first new entry of the chart 20 years ago which is this song called Thinking Over by Dana Glover. There are two roads to walk down and one road to choose one. Thinking over the things that you've said. I'm thinking over the things. Thinking Over, not to be confused, of course, with the Liberty X song Thinking It Over, which did make me think, I'm going to ask them, Liberty X, 
What did you think of Donna Glover there? thinking it over was the was the point of that they haven't decided what they think of it we're going to learn a little bit about her Donna Glover singer songer a singer songer yeah that's the thing singer songwriter from North Carolina she is mostly known for her movie soundtracks I say mostly known by who question mark so she had a song on the wedding planner soundtrack and also on the Shrek soundtrack but no it's not one of the ones that you've ever heard it's interesting, her Wikipedia is quite funny because it has a actual living example of a writer giving up halfway as they wrote it. It has the phrase, she also played in Desperate Housewives. So Desperate, capital D, Housewives, lowercase h. At that point, they were like, oh, sod it. Yeah, they really, as you would, I think, lost the will to live halfway through writing Donna Glover's Wikipedia page. Like, I must tell the world that one of her songs was on Desperate. Oh, who cares? I'm wasting my life. Thinking over, if you do know it, it's because you're familiar with the film Raising Helen, which apparently it was a big song on. This is a Kate Hudson film that I don't really know anything about. I pretty much only watched Toy Story and Spice World the movie until about 2008. As I said, it features Kate Hudson and it does have, I have to admit, an incredible tagline. It's called Raising Helen and the tagline is Helen help us, which, you know, you can't say better than that. That's an that's a stellar tagline. Talking about things that are stellar, this is going to be an episode of, uh, you know, I'm trying out various ways of podcast patter. So I'm in my awkward segue era this week. So maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Here's a brilliant song. Down from 26 there. So again, not long for this world, but I'm very glad that we were able to give one more spin to Macy Gray's When I See You. Macy Gray, When I See You, her last appearance on the UK Top 40 until this podcast hopefully gets enough of a fan base that we can start doing kind of guerrilla campaigns to get songs to number one in the style of the Rage Against the Machine, Joe McEldry X Factor battle in 2009. And when that does happen, When I See You by Macy Gray is the first song that we're going to get to the top of the charts. I don't know how you do that these days, presumably by buying a bank of servers who just play Spotify songs endlessly, which isn't quite as fun as buying car boots full of CD singles, but we move with the times. Talking about moving with the times, here's a song that is taking a classic dance track from the 90s and updating it for the Eurotrance era of 2003. 36, a new entry, Just Be Dubbed To Me by Revelation.
yes, that's right. 90s pop fans will recognise that is just a cover of Dub Be Good To Me by Beats International, a number one from 1990 that sounded a bit like this. Here's the thing about this trend, which Revelation has continued, and I do not like it. The original version of this song is a song, I think from the 70s or 80s, called Just Be Good To Me by the SOS band. Just be good to me. It's called Just Be Good To Me because the lyrics, as you heard, went Just Be Good To Me. When that was covered in 1990 by Beats International, they quote-unquote hilariously changed the title to Dub Be Good To Me because the version they had had a dub sound. I guess that counts as a joke. It's, uh, you know, how how much just sounds like dub is questionable, but certainly Dub Be Good To Me is one of the biggest jokes ever to make it into the top of the top 40 uh obviously there have been some big jokes uh, that have got to the top of the top 40 <laughs> vanilla ice he was a big joke <laughs> oh and of course uh, gary barlow as well no but seriously uh dub be good to me not a funny joke in 1990 and so when revelation in 2003, release Just Be Dub To Me, despite A, good sounding even less like dub, B, it not being a dub version, it being a trance version, something is very wrong. And so, Revelation, stay at 36 because it is not funny enough to make it to the Dizzy Heights. And that version is a shameless cash-in of just copying what someone already did 13 years earlier. Could also set a dangerous precedent, like... Dido covered this song a few years later. It would have been very easy for her to call it Just Dub Good To Me. And then, don't forget when the Ting Tings covered it. Just be good to me. Just be good dub me. We're setting a crazy precedent, so Revelation, we're moving swiftly on. Although, despite the fact that I'm angry at Revelation for the for calling their song Just Be Dub To Me, despite it not being dub and good, not sounding like dub at all, It is admittedly better than the next song in the chart at number 35, To Love a Woman, Lionel Richie and Enrique Iglesias. I'm sorry, I I read that wrong. It's uh, To Dub a Woman. Yeah, that's it. To Love a Woman by Enrique Iglesias and Lionel Richie. The pair loved working together so much, Lionel Richie and Enrique Iglesias, that they worked together again in 2010 for the song I Like It, which was Enrique featuring Pitbull and for which Lionel re-recorded All Night Long. I won't play you that song just because you've suffered enough between Just Be Dubbed To Me and To Dub A Woman. So we'll move on to, admittedly, slightly more punishment. These 30s of this chart are not the brightest hour of the UK Top 40. It is as it is, and it is giving you a perfect time capsule of 2003 that you would get a bad Eurotrance song, a 
lesser Enrique Iglesias single and Tonight by Westlife. great thing about this song quote unquote great is the single cover for it which i think really tries to sell you on how great westlife are and i kind of think at this point in their career you're either sold or you're not like i don't think westlife are picking up new fans so yeah it's very kind of big declamatory language so the single cover says includes bonus track plus the amazing video which presumably was just Westlife standing up and sitting down on stools, as all their videos were. Also, the brilliant Miss Unites. Yeah, someone calling their cover of the Cliff Richards song Miss Unites. Brilliant, I think, is a Trade Descriptions Act violation. They didn't get prosecuted for it, so that's a shame. We do have a very exciting Westlife-based bit here, because our next Top Trumps card is Shane Westlife. Looking very 2003 in his picture here. I will put all of these cards onto Twitter so you can see them. He's got his best Gareth Gates spiky hair. He's got his chin strap beard. He's looking a way that people tried to look smouldering in 2003 in a way that looks vaguely pathetic now. But that doesn't mean that he won't have the smash hitch factor to win the day. So let's look at Shane Westlife's card here. They said it couldn't be done, it reads. But Shane and his Westlife buddies just blew a big raspberry and did it anyway. They sent their first seven singles screaming straight to number one and became the most chartastic band of all time ever anywhere. Just pausing to end war and cure world hunger along the way, brackets, probably. That reminds me, by the way, the 10th of May 2003 was Bono's 41st birthday. Someone who I presume he celebrated that by curing malaria in an African village as he spends all of his birthdays. So obviously him and Westlife hanging out there doing that. The all important. So to remind you, Liz Atomic Kitten, her smash hits factor was 45. So that's a big number to beat. But can Shane Westlife do it? Dramatic pause which doesn't really work on an audio medium because you're going to think your phone's turned off, but... He's done it. Smash hits factor 47 for Shane Westlife. Sure, Shane West, Shane Westlife having a higher, higher pop factor than Liz Atomic Kitten. Not sure about that, but the cards have spoken. And Smash Hits cards, as we all know, are legally binding. So, Shane Westlife is our current reigning best pop star of the 10th of May 2003. Will he be able to be beaten? We will only find out after a uncomfortable few minutes that we're about to have. So buckle up because the next song is a new entry at 33. It is a double A side, Laundromat slash Don't Mess With My Man by Nivea. That's, yeah, Nivea like the the hand cream. This song is, we just have to get it out of the way, an R. Kelly joint. It's produced by R. Kelly and it also has some of his vocals on it, as you're about to hear now. Busted you, coming out some girl 
uncle's house. And what's that supposed to mean? Nothing till you can't stop in a mouth. Let's not waste the time. It's pretty clear that you's alive. Tired of sitting around here and all your phony alibis. We will talk about what's brilliant about that song, but first we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Credit Alexandra Burke for that phrase. This is a song featuring a 36-year-old R. Kelly acting possessively about a 21-year-old. And if you've seen Surviving R. Kelly, you know that that was kind of his modus operandi. Uncomfortable listen there. Can't really get away from that. The fact is, when we listen to these charts, we are going to hear people who have since rightly fallen out of favour. And we just have to listen to it and move on. He also produced it, so it's not even like we can talk about the craft of the song without kind of praising him. Which is great, because the song is kind of crap, to be honest. But it does have... What is brilliant about it is that that chorus is just her listing various clothing products and things you would take to a laundrette like soap powder and then saying i'm heading to the laundromat which is brilliant it shows you that all you need to do to create a pop song is just write a list of crap and then read it out and you've got a chorus and it'll get you all the way to 33 if she makes it to next week which at 33 mm, not sure we will listen to don't mess with my man the second part of her double a side Unfortunately, not a cover of the Don't Mess With My Man, Don't Mess With My Boys song, but in fact, another song called Don't Mess With My Man, which is much worse. So look forward to that, I guess. One thing we can definitely look forward to, though, is 32, the much-promised earlier in the show, V-Birds with Virtuality. Me and my girls, here for you and me. and forever be the V-Birds. All of us are V-Birds. Pick your favourite. You can't. Is it D-Lin? Is it Bling? Is it Boom? Is it the other one whose name escapes me? So if you didn't listen to last week, which is still available at all good podcast providers, V-Birds were an animated band formed in 2003 to appear in a series of one-minute Cartoon Network interstitials, which the hope then was that it would launch into a band that would simultaneously promote Cartoon Network and be a mystique-style R&B act of their own. Can you believe that that marketing ploy didn't work? Especially because they featured in incredible SMTV Live interviews like this. I 
Uh, hi there, everyone. Des here. Uh, now, if you'd have told me last week I was going to get transported into a virtual world where I would meet four gorgeous women, I wouldn't have believed a word. But guess what? It's true. So without further ado, I'm going to say hello to the V-Birds. Hi, Des. Oh, hi. It's very exciting to meet you girls. In fact, I'm the most animated I've ever been in my life. <laughs> so could you just introduce yourselves and your role in the group? Sure, Des. I'm Bling, the V-Bird with the shutters style. And the most mouth. <laughs> and the most mouth. That's right. Oscar nominee Sophie Okonedo was the voice of Bling from the V-Birds. When I heard that clip, that completely blew my mind. To use a modern uh, phrase, you have to stand, really, this failed Cartoon Network promotional plug that featured, uh, had an animated interview on SMTV Live Admittedly, and this will take you back to 2003, this is post-Anton Deck SMTV, as you can tell by the fact that that was produced by someone called Des, who who that is, I don't know. But also, it was Des alongside Brian Dowling, the Big Brother winner from the year previously. Incredible. I hope one day that I get to interview Sophie Okonedo for some very serious theatre project and then instead ask her 20 minutes about V-Birds. That will be... A dream come true. So V-Bird's there with virtuality. I'm going to be very sad to see them drop off the chart, which at 32 again seems likely. And that will be the last we hear of them because they amazingly, for a PR stunt, didn't have another song. Great shame. Number 31 then. Another new entry. There's a lot of new entries in this uh, bottom 10. So this is, I guess, the best of them because it got to number 31, but kind of a very anonymous bit of Eurotrance, hypnotising by Kid Cream, or Kid Creme, if you're feeling continental. Despite that clip only featuring the words together, that song is called Hypnotising by Kid Creme. I say for the Continental because that is C-R-E with an accent, a grave accent. And that is because Kid Creme is a Belgian house producer called Nicola Scaravilli. He was, fun pop fact for the real pop nerds out there, the DJ partner of Junior Jack, who was the I think the better of the partnership he after all was responsible for the song De Hype which is actually brilliant yeah much better there Uh, there's not much to say about hypnotising so let's move on to a little bit of Jay-Z number 30 with Excuse Me Miss showing good staying power down uh, from 28 this week in its third week so I think this might have another week on the chart excuse me miss let's hear it got two dishwashers got one chef one maid all i need is a partner to play space with the cards up all trust who else you gonna run with the truth is us only dudes moving units and pimp juice and us 
it's the rockin' hair. Maybach outside, got rocks in air. PJs on the runway, young got air. I don't land at an airport, I call it the clearport. Therefore, I don't wanna hear more back and forth about who's hot as young holler. Little glimpse of Pharrell Williams at the end there for Excuse Me Miss. That is from the album The Blueprint 2, colon, The Gift and the Curse. Is it more of a gift? Is it more of a curse? I'll let you decide that for yourself. Something that a lot of people have put in the curse category, which I think is unfair because I think this song is kind of fine, is number 29. Again, down from 27. In its seventh week, so doing very well here. Simply read. Sample hounds out there will recognise I Can't Go For That No Can Do by Hall & Oates there, which makes that the second best moment of culture to reference I Can't Go For That No Can Do, of course, behind this. And that's why I can't go for that. Oh, hey, Vince, what can I do you for? Grab some plastic. The mighty boosh there, forever in our hearts. Sunrise by Simply Red here. Learned some interesting things from the Wikipedia for this song firstly this is the first single release from mick hucknall the simply red lead singers record label which had the incredibly naughty's name of uh simply red.com he still owns and it is the simply red website seems they're on tour at the moment good for them he's uh grown back his signature long locks as old mick hucknall so good for him of course in this time in 2003 he was rocking a short look and we speculated last week whether Samson style having his long red hair cut would have made him less of a power but the fact that this song is in its seventh week in the chart that's nearly two months suggests that no he's uh, still going strong that isn't going to protect him from some scathing reviews in the Wikipedia there's also a review a link to this review which really does not like this song so I'll read it to you here perhaps an outside producer it seems that they produced this album themselves could give them a kick in their velour pants. I didn't know that Simply Red were known for their velour pants, so educational. Because there are quite a few drab moments on Home, that's the album, and quite a few embarrassing ones. The worst of it has to be Sunrise, where Hall & Oates gets sampled and credited, but the vocal hook from Ace's How Long gets lifted without acknowledgement. It sounds as shoddy as one of the song-combining mash-up bootlegs that swept through the UK, and should be a cover-up for Mick Hucknall's lack of songwriting ideas. I think that's unfair to mash up bootlegs, because they brought us such incredible hits as The Wheels on the Bus by Mad Donna, which brought together Ray of Light by Madonna and The Wheels on the Bus. Let's go swish, 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 music take back what you said about the mashup trend because obviously it created great art moving straight on to number 28 because this is also a great kind of wikipedia mystery this is a subsection of this podcast the wikipedia mysteries 
But first, let's hear the song that that mystery is related to, which is Speechless by D-Side, down from 18, so in trouble in its third week. And if you listen to it, you might see why. Should I stay, should I go? I don't know where to start. Oh no. If you and I, don't you know we got something that's beautiful? there you go kind of generic boy band fodder but it does have the interesting question and this is our wikipedia mystery of who wrote the d-side wikipedia page let me take you into this first a bit of background so d-side are an irish boy band the managed by the former manager of new kids on the block so big names promoting them and they never quite made it but you wouldn't necessarily tell that from their Wikipedia page, which includes the straight-up lie they had huge success in the United Kingdom. Except they can't really back that up even on their own Wikipedia page because you scroll down and then see that they had three top ten hits and that their album got to number 62. So huge success is questionable. And it makes you think, who wrote this? Either the one massive D-side fan that's out there or... Perhaps they wrote this themselves. Now that sounds, you know, conspiratorial thinking. But if you click through some of these links, I think there's evidence here that suggests that not only did D-Side write their own Wikipedia page, but also their lead singer, Derek Ryan, wrote his own Wikipedia page. Let's look at some of the clues here. If you want, you, can, you should click through to Derek Ryan's Wikipedia page to follow along here. So A, there's the fact that he has a professional headshot as his image. So either he had to upload that or someone had to upload it and he had to sign off on it because it's copyrighted material. Either he wrote it or he was complicit in its writing, but more evidence. So B, it mentions that he studied accounting for two years, which I don't know why anyone other than Derek Ryan would know that. Also, the way it's written is a way that you would write about yourself. Lines include, His writing ability was seen in his debut hit God's Plan that received considerable airplay and used in Irish dance halls and sell-out concerts in England and Scotland. The way that he's talking about his own writing ability there and these sell-out concerts. Also, it needs to point out that none of this, or certainly not much of it, is footnoted. So it's kind of gone unchecked. There's some big claims here about sellout concerts that I think Derek Ryan wrote himself because all of the language of this Wikipedia page is very try hard. Yeah, now this podcast is going to become a true crime podcast and investigate exactly who wrote the D-Side Wiki. So look forward to my six-part Netflix documentary about that. One last interesting thing to note about D-Side. They are one of those bands, and I always love this. So in their first album on iTunes the cover you can see there's five of them and by the time we get to the greatest hits there's only three of them left it's very when five the band five tour these days and there's only three of them quite why they haven't changed their name to three uh, obviously with one of those e's being a number three because five was always spelt with a five at the start of it I don't know what I do know is the next song is a secret banger
Is anybody here? I know. That's right. I'm with you by Avril Lavigne. Down from 22 and it's fifth week. So sticking around is old Avril. Why not? It's a great song. It has that incredible bridge where she's just screaming. Love that. I also love that she has a Smash Hits card. That's right. Will Avril Lavigne have what it takes to take on Shane Westlife? We're going to find out soon. Let's read her bio here. Avril was once just a sweet, innocent girl from the tiny Canadian town of Napanee, Ontario. Then, a bit like the Incredible Hulk, only with music, she was injected with a secret radioactive rock formula, and choir girl Avril became school uniform-destroying punky skater chick Avril. Woohoo! Of course, it doesn't mention there that then she was replaced by a clone called Beth. I think this is a kind of slightly shady bio. I think they are hinting at the fact that the rock chick Avril is a character that she's put on. I think, were they unfair in doing that? Not necessarily, but they certainly did. Right, so we have to decide here whether we're going to keep on the smash hits factor for Shane or whether we're going to go for another category. So let's look through. So crew, five. Obviously, we kind of know that he's going to beat Avril with that, with what with her being a solo artist. So that would be unfair, I think, to use. His war factor is 91. Whoever did the Shane Westlife smash its top trump card was hot for Shane Westlife. That's a high number. Hits 13. Again, that's pretty unbeatable. This is a... Shane Westlife, this is a strong card. I don't know if I would have predicted that. Born Youngest Wins, 5th of July, 1979. Making him 24 at the time. Height in centimetres, 172 centimetres. Again, surely he's got to be taller than Avril Lavigne. The fact that there's height on here is definite advantage to men, I think. I mean, what's more 2003 than uh, implicit gender bias, I guess. And Smash Hits Factor, as we said, 47. I think that four factor is unbeatable, so I'm going to have to go for 91. Can Avril Lavigne, she of the wearing a tie with a t-shirt fame, not a thing I would necessarily associate with four, beat 91 i mean there's no suspense here because 81 she is trounced by shane westlife so shane westlife continues his run he remains our best pop star of the week let's stick on avril lavigne for a bit because in 2002 she gave an interview of mtv news where she revealed her inspiration for i'm with you here is the profundity of a great songwriter it's a song i wrote at the piano when i was kind of having a depressing day kind of like where's my guy One of those days. Insight into creative process we're getting there is immense. That didn't stop it, however, getting nominated for a Grammy for Song of the Year, which it lost to Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross, which, sure, Song of the Year in 2003. Okay, whatever. Let's look at some of these other nominations. Linda Perry writing Beautiful by Christina Aguilera, Avril Lavigne and The Matrix for I'm With You. Yeah, that's right. It was written by the entire Matrix. Neo, Trinity, they wrote I'm With You. I'm, yeah, and the person they're with is all those weird ravers having sex in that underground club in The Matrix Reloaded. 2003 heads know what I mean. Yeah, The Matrix, that's a producer. That's the name of the producer. It's a cool producer name. And then Jorge Calderon and Warren Zevon's song Keep Me In Your Heart. Don't know what that is. Prime Grammy nonsense. And then the last song, and the fact that Dance With My Father beat this... And the Oscar-winning Lose Yourself by Eminem. Come on. Song of the Year 2003 is Lose Yourself by Eminem. It's not Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross. 
guess what? When did you ever dance with your father? Luther Vandross. What do you do? Waltz? No. Talking about things I'm not really a fan of. At number 26, Stuck in a Groove by Pure Tone. Leave me alone, cause I'm in the zone and I'm never gonna come back down. Because I'm stuck in a groove, I didn't hear what you said. Because there's too many tunes going round in my head. Well, I'm the things I should do, but I'm singing instead. Just being stuck in a groove, what's going round in my head? That's right, new entry at 26, Stuck in a Groove by Pure Tone. And yes, that's right, that is Pure Tone as in Addicted to Bass. Yeah, I just love playing that. Every time I say the phrase Addicted to Bass, you've got to hear that because it's that is a cracker. Their follow-up not so good. Uh, that's the same singer, though, they used. Uh, a woman by the name of Amiel Damien. Definitely, that last name was originally Demon, and they changed it so that no one thought they were satanic. So, a little bit about her. Former Australian child star. She was in a film, apparently, called The Silver Brumby, with Russell Crowe. Brumby is an at- Australian term for a feral horse, apparently. Although, that doesn't make The Silver Brumby any better a title, so that kind of maybe explains why she didn't become a great acting star. She also another wikipedia thing she has quite a sad wikipedia page it's one of those where it was obviously written in about 2000 and mid 2000s and it hasn't really been updated yet so the last section of it is 2008 to present and it says that in 2008 she set up her home studio to record some songs and it's 2023 amiel damien and those songs are nowhere to be seen so stuck in a groove i think is the last time we hear pure tone in the UK Top 40, so that gives me one last chance to say that I'm totally addicted to bass. So that is the first 15 entries. Let's just look ahead at some of the bigger new entries because so far, not a great Top 40, I have to be honest. I'm kind of a little bit offended at 20 years ago for not giving me better fodder from only my second show. But there are some bigger songs coming. We have Lil' Kim's The Jump Off, the song that includes the incredible lyric, Make a Sprite Can Disappear in My Mouth. Hearing that as a, as a child will uh, lead you down some sexual dark paths that you can't really return from. We have Craig David and Sting, the team up that everyone was waiting for. The Beddingfield siblings duet of its time. People clamouring for them to work together. They have their song Rise and Fall. It's a new song from Ronan Keating called The Long Goodbye. If you wonder what it sounds like, it sounds like every single other one of Ronan Keating's songs. And we also have... Please tell me there's something better. Yes, there is. There is Loneliness by Tom Craft, a classic, like, club classics hit. All of those are still to come. We are still in the lower reaches of this chart with an artist who really have taken a beating this week. They were at number eight last week, and now they're at 25, which is a humiliating fall for Triple A and Knockout. Do you like 
17 place drop yet there for AAA. That is not the way that you get yourselves a top trump smash hits card, is it? AAA will have one more song in this chart before being dropped by their record labels. This isn't the last we've heard of them, but the future doesn't look good. They're also continuing. This episode obviously is sponsored by the Wikipedia Mysteries, but it's also sponsored by... The letter 8, obviously we've already had DT8 or DT8, and now we have Triple Eight, whose unreleased first album was set to be called Heavyweight. Heavy W8. Honestly, I'm glad they got dropped from their record labels because I didn't need that to exist in the world. And as we said last week, they did fine. The lead singer is married to Kelly from Liberty X. Another one of them, I think, is married to kimberly walsh or another girl band member so they did okay and also so that lead singer who's married to kelly from liberty x is ian james farquharson a little close to lord farquad for a, a real person but it's fine that is his name he uh we mentioned last week that he became a kind of in-demand songwriter but we didn't talk about some of his credits which are you know kind of impressive so he won eurovision in 2011 with the song running scared he wrote Read All About It by Emily Sande, which anyone who lived through the 2012 Olympics will never want to hear again because of how constant that song was. So sick of her by the end of the Olympics. He also wrote Wings, DNA, Hair and Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix. Pretty good run. He also did One More Sleep for Leona Lewis, so he is getting that yearly Christmas money, which you can't really go wrong with. And also, he wrote for both Ben Haynow and Fleur East. So when it came to that year's X Factor, he was very much the Switzerland of playing both sides. We appreciate that. Obviously, Fleur East losing to Ben Haynow is one of the great travesties of pop. He also apparently wrote a lot of the 2020 JLS album, which apparently was a thing, question mark? So yeah, Ian James Farquharson doing very well as a songwriter. Our next place in the chart is a prolific songwriter who knocks Mr. Farquharson out of the water. Damon Albarn from Blur at 24 with Out of Time. Love will be But if we start dreaming now Lord knows we never clear the clouds And you've been so busy lately that you haven't found the time to open up your mind and watch the world spinning gently out of time. There are some great songs here, but if we talk about actual musicianship, I think Out of Time by Blur may be one of the best songs on this particular top 40. Although the, the song after it gives it a run for its money, but we'll get there in a sec but first let's talk a little bit about out of time that's down from 15 last week in its third week a great song i still think kind of a fan favorite it's the first blur song that they released after graham coxon basically had a mental breakdown during the recording of this album think tank which i think kind of explains why i mean no shade to alex james or dave roundtree the bassist or drummer of blur but it kind of sounds like a gorilla song like you can tell that damon is uh taken on the creative mantle at the top there although actually i say no shade to alex james i mean kind of shade to alex james for being like a tory cheesemonger although i say that i love cheese so 
I can't fully hate him. Very conflicted about Alex Jones from Blur, basically. But I'm not conflicted that Out of Time is an absolute great song. Just like I just promised it's a great song. And here it is. Number 24, down from 14 in its seventh week in the chart. So it's got staying power. And there's a reason. It's because it's incredible. It's scandalous. It's mystique. <laughs> That's right, we've got a lot to talk about with Scandalous by Mystique because it deserves to be discussed. Again, if we're going to do an actual like top 40 of quality from this top 40 of sales, then Scandalous by Mystique is definitely up there, isn't it? And that is obviously why, of course they have, Smash Hits have given Alicia her own Top Trumps card. Alicia Mystique. So of the images I have of these, this one is one of the hardest to read, so you might have to bear with me in this one. Just hear the sound here of me getting my glasses out. This is, uh, I think, one of the funnier Top Trumps, so get ready for it. Alicia, Sabrina and Sue Elise began life as Garage's most glamorous crew, then decided that all those oily rags and adjustable spanners didn't go with their blinging outfits. It was that sort of garage, wasn't it, girls? And turned into the best R&B band in the UK instead. Some of these bios that we've heard so far have been pretty half-assed, if I'm honest. But I have to say that that the, pretending that a garage is an actual garage that is a whole ass joke. Appreciate that for the Smash Hits writers there. I really feel that the more I read of these Top Trumps cards, it was definitely like the first half they were like, "Oh great, I'm really going to make the most out of this. I'm really going to earn the bonus that I'm getting." from writing these smash hits bios and then their editor said to them you know you're not getting paid extra for this about halfway through and then they're like oh sod it okay i'm just going to do the rest in about 10 minutes because some of them funny brilliant and some of them completely not worked through shane as we saw is our reigning pop star at 91 4 factor i think a rule that we're going to put in here is that once you've used a category once you can't use it again because i think shane's 91 might be unbeatable and so we shall we shall pick another category so smash hits factor we've used four factor we've used crew five hits 13 born 5th of july 1979 and height 172 centimeters it's tricky because a lot of these we know that he's gonna win and so it's kind of unfair me to use that knowledge to allow Shane Westlife to win against Alicia Mystique. And so I'm going to go for when he was born because I don't know which I don't know whether Shane Westlife or Alicia Mystique is the oldest. So this is an actual fair competition. So the youngest wins. So he was born on the 5th of July 1979. And this is going to be like a very apprentice moment where you get the two sets of figures and then you have to quickly rack your brain about which one was actually bigger or smaller. Is that just me? So Alicia Dixon, or sorry, I misspoke, Alicia Mystique, was born on the 7th of October 1978, which makes her one year older than Shane Westlife. Shane Westlife, hanging on. He is determined to be the pop star of the week. And so I guess we can't begrudge him that. Even if we can begrudge him 
for the double A side tonight slash Miss Unites. Mystique have got the 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 win here in that they are higher in the charts. They are ten places higher in the charts than Westlife for a song that was released a week before that Westlife song. So they are they're winning the game of life. And obviously Alicia Dixon continues to be a celebrity in 2023, which we can't quite say about Shane, I guess. Let's talk about Scandalous. Coca-Cola decided to use it in a 2003 ad that sounded a bit like this. Come on, girls, go on. We've got to hurry up. Let's do it. Where's he going? All right, girls. Coca-Cola has a huge collection of music from your favourite bands. Collect and text codes from special packs for limited edition CDs. To register and for a chance to win backstage concert tickets, text MUSIC to 84190 now. Okay, you need to look at that advert on YouTube. I'm going to put a link on our Twitter page because never has something been more 2003 than this advert. Kat Dealey's doing the voiceover there before she went to America. So it starts, Mystique are in are in the backstage of their concert and then a guy comes and get them, as you heard at the beginning, and he forces them into this warehouse where basically other pop stars are being like trapped in storage containers and kind of getting shipped out to people. It kind of feels like it's an unintentional comment on the manufactured nature of pop and the kind of battery farm approach of just shoving them in a storage container until their uh, sell-by date is over and then disposing of them. I wonder if that was the radical message that Coca-Cola were going for in this advert. I guess we'll never know. It's very very V-Birds, really, isn't it, in its kind of accidental deconstruction of the pop mythos. This advert is especially... So you heard Busted there uh, were one of the bands who got trapped in this storage unit. But also at the end, Kim Marsh makes from Hearsay makes an appearance for a second, but it doesn't get any words, which doesn't bode well for the fact that she's about to embark on a, at this point, a long acting career in Coronation Street. The fact that the Coca-Cola ad was like, eh, maybe you don't need to uh, say anything in this. If that all wasn't 2003 enough, the fact that it has Mystique Busted and Kim Marsh all in this video, then we need to look into what this was advertising. What you had to do is that you had to give them bottle caps and ring pulls. You would, they had codes in them and you'd put them into the internet and then you would get sent exclusive CDs. That's right, exclusive CDs. This was what Coca-Cola and Pepsi used to do, that you'd send them ring pulls and you'd get CDs. And do you know what? Don't want, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, the golden days were better before streaming, but these CDs were great. The Spice Girls Step To Me, one in the 90s I had, was incredible. And I had the busted CD from this campaign. Basically, a lot of... I was about to say that my uh, family were Coke addicts. They were Diet Coke addicts, specifically. So any time there was a Coke campaign where you could send ring pulls in and get something, we, I had it. They did a huge campaign a few years before this in which you could send all this stuff and there was an entire catalogue of things that you could claim. We did I did very well from that. Because so, if you... I think it was like if you sent, like, got, like, 800 points and I'm not sure how many ring pulls you needed to do that but we had them you would get any album of your choice so I yeah I did that a few times in that summer so that kind of suggests how much coke we were drinking that's how I got the first Sugar Babes album for example so I owe Coca-Cola a lot probably a lot of dental bills as well but uh that's fine I forgive them yeah so that busted CD it had their cover of uh Mrs. Robinson the 
Simon and Garfunkel song, which feels like a weird mix for Busted until you realise that actually all of their songs are about boning older women, really. So Mrs. Robinson, kind of a perfect fit. Mystique, I'm so glad they were a part of that. I wonder what was on their CD. I am think I'm going to have to kind of find that on eBay, I think. But that's a job for next week. We have to move on with this week's chart. We could obviously talk about how good Scandalous is for hours. The number 22, our next new entry here. Killer Mike featuring, featuring Big Boy from Outcast, And this is A-D-I-D-A-S. What does that stand for, you say? Let them explain for you. Rain is on one track like Mary Mary thoughts for crack or like the roster does for smack. None of that but the female genitalia very sad. I'm a man and I demand a woman for that act. Personal preference plus I use a law of nature as a reference. No, I don't ever recall seeing a man turn up pregnant. But that just me. Feminine female fantasy product really in my pit. Every 30 some seconds I can't stop That's right. A-D-I-D-A-S. All day I dream of sex. Interesting clip there. I never quite processed it, but it's really the kind of longest no homo in rap there being like, look, I want to have sex with women and that's just a preference and it's fine and everything's fine. I've never seen a man get pregnant and it's fine. Fine, no homo. Something, I don't, you know, I don't want to cast assertions or aspersions on Killer Mike and Big Boy, but not a song that really does make me believe that these are two very sexual people. Especially because the single cover for All Day I Dream About Sex, A-D-I-D-A-S, was a CD-sized condom package. So, obviously, it had the jewel case, and then the whole thing was just made to look like a condom wrapper, a square condom with a round condom in it. I could have just let that slide, but me being kind of a light maniac... I thought to myself, if a condom was CD-sized, how big would the penis be that that condom would fit? And so you'll be pleased to know that I did the maths. Let, let me take you through some of the numbers here, okay? And guys wondering about how big your penis is, this isn't just numbers. This You'll learn some interesting things here. So this is from a Lloyd's Pharmacy article about penis size. So I think oh, that's a, enough of a source for this... Uh, this platform, I think. The average CD is 120 millimetres across. Any math students out there know you times by pi to get the circumference. So that means a circumference of a CD of 377 millimetres. Put that to one side. So the average penis length... No, first the average penis circumference we're going to do. And this is from the Lloyd's Pharmacy article. So it's 95 millimetres flaccid. That's girth radius of a penis i think so yes and then 120 millimeters erect and the length of the average penis is 85 millimeters flaccid and 140 millimeters erect so that's about five inches of that this all means that if a penis so what we're doing here is we're taking the average circumference of a penis and its length and mean therefore, if we made that circumference bigger, what that would do to the total size of the penis. Okay, I can show my workings for you uh, if you if anyone wants. Well, I could put a whiteboard on Twitter or whatever. But this would mean that if Killer Mike and Big Boy needed a condom that was 120 millimeters across, 
that would mean that they had a penis, I say they, the collective penis, that was 44 centimetres long. So that is, I think, 18, an 18 inch penis. And so this, of course, leads to the episode's best joke. No wonder he's called Big Boy of his knobs that big. <laughs> it's nearly half a metre long. No wonder all day he dreams about sex. <laughs> and no wonder the other guy's called Killer Mike. If he was that big, he'd impale you. <laughs> Good. Don't say I don't give you anything. I give you chart facts and I give you hard maths. And really, what more could you want? Who is going to follow up Killer Mike and Big Boy's giant todger? Who could possibly do that? There's only one man for the job. At number 21, down from 16, Daniel Beddingfield. Beddingfield and I can't read you. Daniel Beddingfield has a smash hits top trumps card. Oh yes. Will the Bedders be able to beat Shane Westlife? We're gonna find out after we've read his bio. Bedders is well this is I always thought I could be a Smash Hits writer. The only problem, of course, was that Smash Hits stopped publishing in 2006. But the fact that I instinctively knew that he was Bedders to then. Bedders' career began in his very own bedroom, where years of knob-twiddling, careful, and general DJ-type electronic trickery created the rather splendid and badly spelt Gotta Get Through This. I think uh, Smash Hits are throwing stones in glass houses there, because I would say that badly spelled should have been hyphenated, but whatever. A star was born, Daniel got to leave his bedroom, and everyone lived happily ever after. Also, I think knob-twiddling should have a hyphen too, so... Not sure I would come for the grammar of the song Gotta Get Through This Smash Hits. Daniel Benningfield's Top Trumps card, he really has a multi-face in this card, by which I mean he has one of those faces where every time you look at it, he looks like a different person. Currently I'm looking at him, he looks weirdly like Andrew WK, the uh, in Britain one-hit wonder heavy metal guy. I've never seen them in the same room, that's all I'm saying. And, and Andrew WK does love a prank, so maybe his greatest prank was that he was Daniel Benningfield all along. I, I can't. I can only speculate on that. But what I can tell you is that Shane Westlife is going up against Daniel Benningfield. I think this is the first match in which we can go for height because it's the first man-on-man match. I'll leave you to think of Shane Westlife and Daniel Benningfield going man-on-man. Shane Westlife. Shane Fillon to his family. Or Phelan, perhaps, to other parts of his family. 172 centimetres tall. Will Daniel Benningfield have the big shoes to beat that? Shane, you've had a good run, but he did it. 178 centimetres is Daniel Benningfield. Incredible stuff. So Daniel Benningfield is our reigning pop star of the week. Huge news for Daniel Benningfield there. Sometimes you uh, wonder where a pop star goes and the, uh, the answer is harrowing. Uh, Daniel Benningfield stopped making music after having a near-fatal car crash, so... Not much I can say about that. Although he did, um, talking of car crashes, he uh, was also a judge on The Voice New Zealand. 
<laughs> Where's that canned laughter sound, of, sound effect? <laughs> there it is. Good. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Number 20. My favourite. Madonna. American Life. Down from 12 this week. So, I went into a bar Looking for sympathy A little company I tried to find a friend It's more easily said It's always been the same This type of modern life Is not for me This type of modern life Is not for free American Life from last week's number one album in the UK. A lot of people will like to wonder at what point did Madonna kind of lose it? Obviously, at one point she was the biggest pop star in the world and people will ask, at what point did she lose that title? And I think many people will point to American Life as being like this weird, oddly political, kind of self-righteous, musically strange project that kind of was her the moment where she kind of lost it. Certainly, I don't agree with that. I think American Life is a masterpiece. And obviously after that, she would do Confessions on a Dance Floor, which is still great. And I think every episode could become a a Madonna monologue. So I'll keep it short. But I think Madame X, 2019, great album, underrated. I still think she can make good pop music sometimes. But certainly, the American Life campaign is the first time where she really scored a kind of self-owned that was kind of embarrassing. Obviously, there was the whole British accent thing, which now I think is vaguely charming, but at the time kind of was embarrassing. But what was really embarrassing about this campaign was, so this was in the peak illegal downloading time. You know, obviously, I wouldn't know what Bear Share was. I wouldn't know what Lime Wire was. I wouldn't know what WinMX was. I don't even know what those words I just said were. I would have never have downloaded anything from them because it would have been unethical of me. But people were illegally downloading things. And so record labels would try and put you off the scent and by deliberately leaking something that was different from the actual version. Obviously, I've never done this, but there are certainly songs on my computer at home, and I don't know how they got there, but that were, I downloaded, no, had appeared, that were different from the versions that actually existed and actually it's taken a long time for me to try and track down the versions that I knew because they weren't the studio versions but Madonna took that one step further if you downloaded any track American Life it was very possible that you would just have downloaded a four minute track that featured just this on a repeat what the fuck do you think you're doing that's I think I've just lost my my clean rating for my podcast there but so why not now we've lost it let's hear it again what the fuck do you think you're doing So this was Madonna's attempt at stopping her songs from leaking. But it didn't work because uh, the song leaked a day early anyway. So yeah, kind of a big, very embarrassing thing to do to kind of be uncool, to come out against piracy and then it have been a waste of time anyway. This song has got a few more weeks on the chart. So we're going to get more into the kind of interesting tales of this song because it kind of, in a lot of ways was a song that caused Madonna a lot of troubles. And we will get into that as the song continues in the charts. But we're not going off Madonna yet because she has a smash hits card. And quite frankly, if Daniel Benningfield can beat Madonna, there's something very wrong in the pop world. But let's not count the man out yet. He's got to get through this first. So Madonna, 
What can you say about Madonna? Just put it away, Grandma. <sighs> Sexism. Sexism smash hits there. You should be better. She's had more hits than you've had hot dinners and starred in about a million films. One or two of them weren't rubbish. That's in brackets. And has been just about the most famous person on the planet since 1762. The slightly uh, sexist appraisal on Madonna there. But let's see if they're going to add final injuries. They've also picked the cheapest Getty image that they could find for this. Daniel Benningfield. Crew, one. He's going to match Madonna there. War Factor, 68. I, you know, I think Madonna is sexier than Daniel Benningfield. But I think... There's already a hint of ageism that's going to suggest that she's going to be less than that. Interesting. Hits for, well, it would be unfair to pick that one for Daniel Benningfield compared to Madonna. Born youngest wins again. Height, you know, obviously I imagine he's going to be taller than her. And then smash hits factor 42. What do we go for? Do we go for four factor or do we go for smash hits factor? I guess the point here is that we have to pick the thing that we think will do the best for Daniel Benningfield. So I'm going to pick four factor with... And trepidation in my heart because I think he could beat Madonna and that's kind of wrong. And wow, 46 four factor for Madonna. That's that's a humiliating defeat. Also, smash hits factor 36. Wow. I, you know, I thought I loved smash hits. I've held a soft spot for them, but they've really, they've hurt me with that Madonna card. Hits 48, 58 hits at this point. But that's, apart from that, it's a weak card. And... She's a pop icon, so that is, that's terrible. I'm gonna smash it. Is cancelled, even though it cancelled itself in 2006. I'm broken. This is the final episode of this podcast. I can't go on. We have to go on with number 19, Delta Kudrum's Born to Try. I guess. Delta Goodrum's Born to Try. If you thought V-Birds were going to be the most fascinating, cynical marketing experiment of this week, just wait till you hear about Delta Goodrum, okay? Let's take you back 20 years ago to Neighbours, who were tired of losing their best actors to pop careers. Obviously, Kylie and Jason, we remember. But more recently, Holly Valance. Been lost to Neighbours. And I think they were like, if we even losing... Holly Valance to a pop career. We need to do something. We need to get into this ourselves. And so the Neighbours crew came up with a brilliant idea. They would have a character who was an aspiring pop star. And that way she could perform her songs on the show. Therefore, hopefully they would keep her on the show because she would realise that those songs were becoming big because of Neighbours and then she would keep on Neighbours. And so they tried this with the character of Nina Parker, who was played by Delta Goodrum. I'm going to turn now to the excellent blog that you need to check out if you're a naughty's pop person at all called Can't Stop the Pop, which will take us through Nina's arc on Neighbours. The release of Born to Try coincided with it being featured often in Neighbours. It was Nina Tucker's first major storyline as the song was anonymously broadcast on university radio, which conveniently everyone in the community happened to be listening to at the time, leaving the residents of Erinsborough to puzzle over who the mystery singer could be. 
but easily the most memorable use of Born to Try, and undoubtedly the driving force behind its eventual release as a single in the UK, was when it soundtracked the moment Carl and Susan Kennedy reunited following their first separation after Susan slipped on spilt milk and suffered amnesia. Ah, soap operas never change. As Nina Tucker secretly performed the song in full for the first time, Carl and Susan ceremoniously ripped up their divorce papers and millions of viewers were misty-eyed. Incredible stuff there, and it was enough to launch Delta Goodrum into a career of about four songs in the in the UK and a very controversial affair with Brian Westlife. Let's hear a bit of uh, Delta Goodrum in Neighbours. Hey, I heard you on the way back. Oh, I was just checking out into the Harold. Sweet, go play some more. Honestly, oh, no, no, sounded pretty good to me, especially that diddly 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 bit. What do you call that? Maybe the bridge? I don't know. Why don't you play it so I can find out? <laughs> no, I just make it for myself. Is it just me? Or is one of those people Irish? Neighbours. Forever a puzzle. So that's, yeah, Delta Goodrum being a star on Neighbours. Again, what's more 2003 than that? And that wasn't a rhetorical question, that was a real question. And the answer is Gareth Gates featuring the Kumars. <laughs> If you thought people were excited for the Craig David and Sting team up or the Enrique and Lionel team up, everyone was clamouring. You saw the Kumars on number 42 on the BBC, you saw Gareth Gates and you thought, that is a comedy musical duo for the ages. The result of it was that. To be fair, it wasn't completely organic. This was a, it was for Comic Relief, which had a history of bringing together pop stars and comedians. In the 80s, they had, they had done a song with... French and Saunders and Bananarama. So it didn't totally, wasn't totally a mad pairing, but still why it was the Kumars, I'm not sure, other than that was briefly a time where Bollywood was very big after that Punjabi MC song that was everywhere. And then of course there was Bombay Dreams, which was a big musical at the time, and there was Bride and Prejudice. Yeah, everyone was briefly weirdly into Bollywood in 2003. Worth watching here, I think we'll link this on the Twitter as well, the making of for the video for Spirit in the Sky, in which Richard Curtis, the comic relief guy and legendary comedy writer, basically admits that Simon Cowell forced him into having Gareth Gates do the comic relief single. Interesting to think of Simon Cowell as actually having power rather than just being the guy on TV with the shiniest teeth in the business watching acrobats. He was a serious record guy who gave Gareth Gates the number one with Spirit in the Sky and brought together... Mira Sayal, Sanjeev Bhaskar and Gareth Gates, which the world was waiting for. It was like if Madonna and Michael Jackson had teamed up. Although, don't tell Smash Hits, because they'd probably give that a star factor of two, which I'm not angry about at all. Talking about legendary duets, of course, let's go to number 17, which has stayed where it was from last week in its eighth week on the chart. So, really doing amazing work. Proves that the British public will... Always love a ballad. All I have, J Lo and LL Cool J. Wait a minute, don't bounce, baby. Let's talk about this, man. Well, I'm bouncing and I'm out, son. I gotta leave you alone. Cause I'm good. Holding down my spot and I'm good. Repping the girls on the block and I'm good. I got this thing online. So without me, you'll be fine, right? 
had, baby girl, I'm what you had. You've been mean to me, but too bad. Be easy, don't make decisions when you mad. And of course, it's 2003. She's one of the biggest pop stars in the world, so of course she has a Top Trumps card, does J-Lo. While half of the world's pop singers can't wait to try the old acting lark, J-Lo or Jennifer Lopez as she's known in Hollywood, did it the other way round, starting out as a screen starlet before conquering the charts with a mere flick of her world-famous bottom. There we go. Will she be able to beat Daniel Bedingfield, though? Words that I can't believe were being said. Daniel Bedingfield. Four Factor 68, Smash Hits Factor 42. Hits 4. Crew 1. Do you think he's younger or older than Jennifer Lopez? Interesting. But let's go. Smash Hits Factor 42... It was enough to beat Madonna. Surely, J-Lo, come on. At 40. Wow. She is, he is more smash hits than J-Lo. She is dead in a ditch there, which I watched Shotgun Wedding the other day, so I don't feel too bad about her losing because I lost an hour and a half of my day. So J-Lo there, that's number 17 in its eighth week on the chart. So two months of J-Lo we've had. That is compared to a new entry at number 16, our latest new entry. Another great song here, Lil' Kim's The Jump Off. We the best, still is room for improvement. Our presence is felt like a black movement. movement. Seven quarter to eights, back to back, back when to I'm back sitting on chrome. Seven times, that's for my beats. Uh-huh. With the bendings, the hummers, the bends. Oh, oh, You hear the name Lil Kim and you do wonder, how tall is Lil Kim? There is a Reddit that has on a graph all of the Lil rappers and their heights and Lil Kim is the shortest of them all. The data's not all fully in but she's somewhere between 4 foot 9 and 4 foot 11 which makes her, fact fans out there, hype fans out there, 7 inches shorter than Lil Bow Wow and 8 inches shorter than Lil Wayne. Good for her, she really is Lil Kim. This song is the jump off, featuring of course Mr. Cheeks. Sounds like what your mum might call if you're like a baby in the bath, what she might call your bottom. Like, oh time to give Mr. Cheeks a wash. No, call me Henry. Mr. Cheeks was my father. Let's talk about the jump off though, the song that Lil Kim and Mr. Cheeks made together. This being a kind of play on a radio show, I tracked down the clean version and I have to say I don't think they really bother that much to cover up the phrase deep throat as you can hear here don't need no cream bee got the ill deep throat the real deep to be fair i guess neither the word deep nor throat on its own is rude it's just through the context together that you get the comment it must be i always think it must be very hard for a song that's all about shagging to try and make that clean but they did it And it's actually a clean lyric that we're going to give a very special award to today. Paying tribute to Lil' Kim and quite a lot of tribute to Harry Hill's TV Burp, a classic Naughty's TV show. We'd like to award Lil' Kim our Poetry Highlight of the Week. Which brings us to a Poetry Highlight of the Week. Poetry Highlight of the Week. That's right, rhyming Tahiti and Needy. Good work there, Lil' Kim. Four foot nine of genius at number 15, down from 11, Robbie Williams. 
of course he has a Top Trumps card, which we will get to and see if he can beat Beddingfield. But first we need to hear the song, Come Undone. Robbie started off his pop career life in the original boy band of yesteryear, Take That. But when being a member of the world's biggest pop band got a bit boring, he left, went a bit naughty, and turned himself into Britain's favourite cheeky chappy, The Scamp. That is from the Smash Hits Top Trumps card for him there. These cards are baffling to me the more I look at them, because Smash Hits Factor of Robbie Williams, 39, in a year where he played... The biggest concert of all time in Britain at Nebworth is just mind-boggling. But does he have what it takes to beat Daniel Beddingfield? So let's go height, 178 centimetres for Daniel Beddingfield. So let's see. Yes, Robbie Williams, 183 centimetres. This feels right. It feels correct. Robbie Williams, he was thrown shade by Smash Hits, who gave him a 39 Smash Hits factor. This was a huge... He was the biggest pop star in Britain this year so it is right that he is currently the pop star of the week there's a few more to come though who could beat him so keep listening number 14 now down from seven last week of course that was the beautiful moment where seven nation army was at number seven and now it is at 14 For anyone who didn't listen last week, we decided we were going to claim it that song back from the football chanters and Oh Jeremy Corbyn people by picking random names to sing to it. Last week, of course, Oh Nicola Roberts. This week, Oh Anthea Turner, because it does work with any five-syllable name. The White Stripes was doing some research on them this week for this podcast, and it made me think, this whole time... Where is the White Stripes? Does that mean cocaine? Is that a cocaine thing? Needed to find out. And the answer, it seems to be, is no. But the answer is much worse than that. So this is a quote from Jack White. Okay. Meg, that's Meg White, the drummer. Meg loves peppermints, and we were going to call ourselves the Peppermints, but since our last name was White, we decided to call it the White Stripes. It revolved around this childish idea that the idea kids have, because they are so much better than adult ideas, right? Sure, mate. Yeah. Yeah, sure, you were in the American Indian scene of the noughties, and White Stripes meant Peppermints. Okay, I know that you're, like, eccentric people, but kind of hard to believe. Interesting thing about this, their most famous song, Seven Nation Army, arguably, but a lot of people didn't like it, so... Obviously, it became a classic. It's their, weirdly, their second biggest hit in the UK. Their song, Icky Thump, got to number two, which, how that happened, I'm not sure. But we will get to that in the weeks to come. When he, Jack White, first played Seven Nation Army to the co-founder of his record label, 
he said he thought he could do better, which mm, hasn't done it yet, but sure. And then the record label wanted to release another song as a single from the album, the song There's No Home For You Here, which, to be fair, is a great song, but could you sing Anthea Turner's name to There's No Home For You Here? No, you couldn't. So therefore, it is an inferior product. What this kind of teaches us, I think, from those responses is that record executives know nothing, which is why they try and make things like D-Side happen, or V-Birds, or really any, uh, half of the music on this chart is kind of ill-advised record label stuff. But it won a Grammy, Seven Nation Army, for best rock song, so someone was right somewhere along the line there. But again, the fact that it's, we can't all criticise record labels or we can't just criticize them because the fact that icky thump did better on the charts than seven nation army suggests that the record by public knows nothing either which might explain why plummet by damaged or i'll never know damaged by plummet is at number 13 plummet and there i will confirm for these sticklers out there that the band is called plummet and the song is called damaged they're an american trance duo and i'm going to kind of move swiftly on for them because they're not that interesting and they i think generally lack imagination because the vocals of that song are from a band called plum and they call their band plummet so i think that says everything you need to know which means we move right on to number 12, which the Coca-Cola ad refused to give her any lines or prominence, but we're going to let her talk today. Number 12, down from 10 last week, Cry by Kim Marsh. Tell me if you'd like to stay in touch I would like to say that I ever meant to make you cry I think about you every day No matter what your friends might say If Lil' Kim won the award for Best Rhyming of the Week, then I think Kim Marsh wins the Razzie Award for Worst Rhyming of the Week. I would like to say that I never meant to make you cry. I think about you every day, no matter what your friends might say. Everybody knows my name, even though I'm still the same. It's giving child first learns about rhyming, really, that song. So I don't know, baffling why that spent three weeks in the top 10 people obviously like kim marsh and that's why people were vigorously sending in ring pools to get a kim marsh cd from coca-cola this year this is kim marsh's first track after leaving hearsay which obviously made me think why she did leave hearsay and luckily her autobiography from the heart tells us exactly why from her point of view so if you'll allow me i'll give a dramatic reading of the passage in which she describes why she left hearsay, I think, to give us greater context of the song Cry and its specific rhyming, shall we say. So this is from Kim Marsh's own words. Me and Mylene, Mylene Class, of course, 
had a slanging match, but someone split us up as we were due to go on air. Going on to perform our single was horrible. At one point, me and Mylene had to put our arms around one another. It was so fake and I hated every minute of it. We had been overheard arguing by staff at the studios and the following day our row was all over the newspapers. We managed to put it behind us, but the niggles remained. I wish we'd been able to explain honestly how we were feeling, but the problems festered. At the start of 2002, we were invited to play to British troops in Oman, but I needed to be in the country for my children. There was a misunderstanding that I didn't want to go to Oman and the newspaper got wind of the story. When I asked my PR agent, he said that someone in the band had spoken to the newspaper. I felt utterly betrayed. Then I was asked by a newspaper if I had any comment and I was so angry I said, I quit. Why that hasn't been turned into a three-part drama yet. I don't know. Now that we've brought it out into the open, maybe it will. So Cry by Kim Marsh, number 12 there in its fourth week. Number 11, this is the longest running track on this week's album chart. And again, another one of the best songs on this list. I think if I was going to pick my actual favourite rather than the best, this is definitely there. Junior Senior, down from nine last week, only dropping two places in its 10th week. People love this song and they should because it's incredible move your feet love that song and also junior senior my first glimpse into bear culture which as a gay man is a very valuable culture that i hold very dear the video for move your feet it's very lo-fi kind of nintendo video game style 8-bit graphics but even then big gay vibe about the junior senior move your feet video senior he's called senior so already the kind of clues there they're playing with this kind of daddy twink kind of vibe he has a real bear vibe in the video there's this bit where junior and senior are sauce dispensers who like basically bukkake a hot dog there's a champagne bottle that pops its cork and then fills a glass totally with a kind of creamy colored champagne and then the champagne flute gives a wink it's a it's a kind of erotic wonderland the move your feet junior senior video move your feet more like move your uh, anyway finally i had definitely kind of got gay vibes at even at the age of 10 listening to it but i was like are they are they warranted gay vibes and i'd learned the shocking fact that why senior is of course a bear daddy junior straight incredible incredible scenes that senior has made up for it by being so gay that he co-wrote lady gaga's born this way but amazing to know that junior wasn't a big twink if i have done one thing this week with this podcast it's to teach you that junior, senior, one of them was gay and one of them was straight. I'm glad that the gay one went on to have more success. That just feels personally right for me. And now let's talk about someone who definitely gives off totally straight vibes. David Snedden at number 10. Down from three last week. Not a good drop for your second single. Don't let go. Even though you have a let go to that number three spot.
Let Go, his second single after winning Fame Academy. There were two winners of Fame Academy. The BBC's ill-fated attempt to try and beat ITV's Pop Idol. And both of them kind of followed the same path that they released a few singles and then basically disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, Alex Parks is the second one who did that. And we, I think even this year, 2003, we might hear her excellent debut single. But both of them basically decided that fame wasn't for them. Quite why they entered a competition called Fame Academy. Not sure if they didn't want fame. Maybe they just really liked academies. David Snedden, he, a few years ago, told the Beleathered podcast, trusted them enough to tell them, I made a really, really conscious decision back then just to disappear. Obviously, David Snedden is Scottish, but I um, I don't know if I had the talent to do it. Let's try. I wanted my anonymity back. I didn't want to be famous, and I have pretty much become a recluse, he said. I am never somebody who has suffered from anxiety or public attacks because I don't think I take myself very seriously. But if we talked about mental health... I know, okay. I don't know if I can talk about someone's mental health struggles while doing a kind of Shrek-esque Scottish accent, so let's go out of that. But if we talked about mental health back then, the way we do now, I can see that in the six months after Fame Academy, I should have been speaking to somebody about how I was feeling. I just wasn't comfortable in what I was doing. In that six months, I was drinking every night, going out all the time. I got myself into several scrapes that I shouldn't have been in. My personality was changing and I was astute enough to know why and that was when I just sacked it all off. And of course now he's a songwriter who wrote Lana Del Rey's national anthem, I'm going to take you to our number nine hit. This is a former number one, of course, brought to us from a famous Lynx ad. This was a time where occasionally adverts would get a song to number one. It was a dark capitalist time and we just don't think about it. The The financial crisis was five years away and we were like, capitalism has solved everything. Let's make every song from an advert get to number one. We didn't know, okay? And to be fair, and to be fair, it's a good song. So let's hear it and feel that waft of Lynx Africa that we associate with this song from its Lynx advert. This is Room 5, Oliver Cheatham's Make Love. you'll allow me to jump ahead to the 2023 in which I'm writing this I think one of the reasons that I started doing this podcast was because I had a conversation with someone about how bad the singles chart is in 2023 and they basically said that one of the worst things about it was it was just kind of dance covers that were kind of rehashed versions of songs from 20 years previously that were just didn't really do anything to the song and were just kind of relying on empty nostalgia and the power of the original song. With that in mind, saying that thinking that that's a new phenomenon, let's let's play the original song that Make Love by Room 5 was based on and see if that could possibly be the beginning of anything, shall we? I like to party That's 
right. Nothing really changes in this world. There we go. Things were terrible then. Things are terrible now. But what isn't terrible is... Well, my segues are terrible. But what isn't terrible is our next song. Down from number six. It is at eight this week in its second week in the chart. We talked about it last week. We talked about the film it was based on, Cradle to the Grave. But now it's time to hear it. X Gone Give It To You by DMX. I haven't had time to see Cradle 2, with a 2 number there, The Grave yet, but I did find the Common Sense Media Review of the film. Common Sense Media Review, in case you're not aware of it, is a website which basically gives review. It's half film reviews, half mum's net, basically. In that every review is basically telling you if it's what your kids can watch it. And so the review for Cradle to the Grave goes like this: Parents need to know that this movie is extremely violent, with lots of intense peril, many character deaths, and graphic wounds. A little girl is in peril and bound and gagged. Characters use extremely bad language, including racial epithets but the group of good guys is racially diverse. Characters drink and smoke. A character pretends to be gay in order to distract a gay security guard, and there are some mild stereotypes. I mean, it sounds pretty good, to be honest. Like You're, you're like, kids aren't, shouldn't watch this, but I'm like, I think me, a 30-year-old man, should watch this. Interesting how it's good for kids to see a racially diverse group and not good for them to see anyone act gay in any way. So diversity only goes so far for the common sense media people let's continue again there are some things in this chart that start a process that is now turned every modern chart into a hell zone but certainly in 2003 there is a really cool mix of things you know you've got your indie with the white stripes and blur you've got atomic kitten that kind of pop you've got these you've got boy bands you've got singer songwriters you've got trance house a real kind of good mix of things but this we're about to enter into a little kind of rap hip-hop block here. Rap and hip-hop obviously become the dominant pop genre and it really starts happening around here. And one of the big songs that helped in that transition, this was last week's number one in the US. It was last week's number five here after two months on the chart, which suggests that also it spent a few months at the top of the US charts. And it kind of deserves to because it's an all-timer. 50 cents into club. An undisputed classic in the club by 50 Cent. 50 Cent, not one of our great locutors, I think is the term. He's, oh, he's a mumbler, is what I'm saying. Which means that the misheard lyrics page for Interclub 
by 50 Cent is full of quotes. Back in the day, you know, we were hearing these songs on like not good quality car radios. So if an artist was a bit of a mumbler like 50 Cent was, of course you're going to mishear it. But to pay tribute to that time, here are, I'm going to read out some of the, this is all, these are all of the misheard lyrics for just one single line of Inter Club, which kind of says what you need to know about his kind of mush-mouthed style. So let me read some of them to you now. Okay, here we go. Go, 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 go. Charlotte, it's your birthday. Go, 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 go. Go, Charlie, it's superb day. Go, 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 go. Shorty, it's shiver day. Go, 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 go. Shorty, it's the shiver. Go, 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 go. Go shorty, Misha Burton. <laughs> that's my that's my personal favourite. Go, 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 go. shut it. It's your birthday. Honourable mention to the person who thought the line bottle full of bub, which I think is short for bubbles, as in champagne, not sure. But he thought that bottle full of bub was butthole full of bud. Sure, sounds like a party. I have to confess that until reading that misheard lyric i had thought it was bottle full of bud so i am part of the problem here although i don't think i ever thought it was butthole full of bud that just sounds unsanitary so let's why we uh take the budweiser out of our anuses <laughs> let's listen to number six we're getting there to the top of the charts last week's number two lisa mafia's all over and we have some huge news about lisa mafia after this Last week, I speculated that the fact on Lisa Mafia's Wikipedia page that her real name was Lisa Mafia may not have been true. And there has been, I say breaking news on this, but this is news that happened two years ago, but is very important. So thank you to the Daily Mail. Not a sentence I like saying, but we have to appreciate their coverage here. So they wrote the following article, an absolute cracking headline for this one. Okay, so Lisa Mafia, comma, 41, is acquitted of attacking stylist in London hair salon in furious row over £90 hair straighteners. Some choice quotes from this. I just wanted to get out. This is Lisa speaking. She was throwing things. She had a hot comb that she was doing the lady's hair with and charged at me. I think Lisa Mafia's argument was that actually she was the one who was attacked here. So the judge decided that Lisa Mafia's evidence, though emotional, had been credible and believable. And the evidence given by Miss Groves, who I think was the claimant, I think is that the right word? I'm not a lawyer, as uh, may be clear, had been vague and inconsistent. The story itself is entertaining. What is interesting about this is that this is a court of law, meaning that had Lisa Mafia's real name 
not been Lisa Mafia, they would have had to have said that because it would have been whatever Mrs. Groves versus, and then the name of the Lisa Mafia's real name would have been Groves versus Smith or whatever. So the fact that none of these pieces mention the fact that Lisa Mafia's real name isn't Lisa Mafia is pretty good truth from which we can only conclude that Lisa Mafia's real name is Lisa Mafia, which is incredible. No wonder she was a member of So Solid Crew. And no wonder Smash Hits decided to celebrate that with her own pop card. She, in fact, they are so impressed by her name that they've called her Lisa Mafia So Solid. She's, they've even kept her surname, which they don't do for it, just everyone. So Solid are the world's biggest garage crew. Or they're going to talk about trying to get them all in the... Uh, all in the garage around the car. <laughs> so they're the biggest garage crew in more ways than one, numbering at least 843 members at the last count. That's what we call exaggeration for comic effects there. Since little Lisa was loud enough to make herself heard amongst those big bad rap types, it's no surprise she's finding the whole solo lark a bit of a breeze. I mean, she got a number two hit single and then kind of tapered off, so I think they spoke too soon there but fine so robbie williams is our current reigning champion crew one four factor 78 hits 19 born 1974 height 183 smash hits factor 39 gonna go for that four factor again i think that's high or do i go for, for hits i guess it would be fair to celebrate robbie williams and we haven't played this category yet we're going to go for hits, although obviously Lisa Mafia cannot beat that with how many hits are they giving her? Six. What? How? When? <laughs> Not sure. 21 seconds. I think So Solid Crew, three all over one. There's some dodgy accountancy there, but nevertheless, Lisa Mafia defeated by Robbie Williams's strun of hits there. Well done to Robbie Williams. No time to celebrate just yet. There are a few more challenges that Robbie's going to have to face off before he takes that title of pop star of the week. So before we do that, that takes us into the top five. So let's see what's still to play this week. So from last week's chart, number one, Busted's You Said No. Will that make it to a second week? Possibly, but it is going to have to face off against four new entries for Matt, James and Charlie there. Not even Charlie's eyebrows can beat the combined forces of Kelly Rowland with Count Nobody, Tom Craft's Loneliness, Sting and Craig David's Rise and Fall, and Ronan Keating's Long Goodbye. And I will tell you that one of those songs is next at number five. Let's play it right now. Right, Can't Nobody by Kelly Rowland. Straight in at the top five there. This is following Destiny's Child. Had their own run of big hits. And then Kelly Rowland, number one with Dilemma. 
of course, Nelly and Kelly. A perfect combination. I think all pop stars whose names rhyme should do collaboration. So they and they showed us why that is. So number one, Dilemma. Then she released Stole, everyone's favourite song about American gun violence. That was a number two. And num- number five here this time, so not keeping up that strong streak. Maybe the reason why is actually due to Dilemma, because it seems after that song became a huge surprise hit around the world, they the album was rush-released to try and get it out as soon as possible after Dilemma. Which means that literally after Dilemma came out, they completed the album within a month. What does that say about whether they should have given Can't Nobody a little bit more time? I don't think it's right for me to say, but certainly the fact is that number five suggests a little bit more baking might have done well for Kelly Rowland. But she's at number five. That leaves just four artists left. Ronan, Craig, Tom, Tom Craft. It's one word, but Tom. Tom Craft is his name now. And Charlie, Matt and James have busted. Will busted have what it takes to stay at number one? The answer is no. They are at number four. That's right, busted at number four, only managed to keep it at one week at number one, but don't worry, they have number ones ahead of them. And of course, those eyebrows needed to be commemorated with a Top Trumps card. This really is a power card. Looking at these cards now, it was a horny female writer who doled out these scores because Shane and Charlie are absolutely stacked cards. They are hot for them. And whereas gay icons like Madonna not getting a look in. So here's what the card says. Busted, aka Mad Matty, Sensitive James and Tall Posh Charlie, the tallest, poshest man in pop, set the charts alight with their fiery, jumping around guitar, wielding antics and possibly pervacious songs about fancying teachers and the like, which is all very nice. But has someone got an extinguisher for the charts? Fatal flaw in that game, in that calling him the tallest guy in pop does kind of mean, does hint to the player that his height is going to be unbeatable, therefore making him a kind of unbeatable card. Almost like the Smash Hits top trumps were slightly, they were a half ass cash in, like maybe, I don't know. It's Robbie versus Charlie. One has eyebrows to die for, the other has kind of poor eyebrows to be honest, but is Robbie Williams. Crew one, four factor 78, hits 19, born 1974, height centimetres, smash hits factor 39. Let's go, smash hits factor four, smash hits factor low, so four factor 78. I hate how I'm totally casual with the phrase four factor now, but that is what the smash hits top trump cards have done to me. I'm going in, locking in, four factor 78 for Robbie. I think, sex symbol to many. So I think he's got a good chance. But who can forget that the top Trumps writer is horny on main for Charlie Simpson from Busted because Charlie Busted is a 95 four factor. 
He's the tallest man. He's the poshest man. He has a smash hits factor of 49 out of 50. Busted. Unbeatable in 2003. And Charlie Simpson has been undefeated in this lineup. He has one more challenger to go. But I think that's a pretty strong way. I think he might be taking the crown. How someone who kind of looks like a six-former who would do homophobic abuse and spit in your face became the sexiest man in pop, I don't know. Although, now I've kind of thought of that scenario, it's not unerotic. Anyway, let's move on to something completely unerotic. Ronan Keating, number three, with The Long Goodbye. I get that it's meant to be But those words ain't pulling me through I'm still in love with you I spend each day here Waiting for a miracle But it's just you and me Going through the mill Climbing up the hill This is the long goodbye Somebody tell me why The Long Goodbye by Ren and Keating Of course, from the album Destination what is this destination? <laughs> Straight to the middle of the road. <laughs> so good to have a live audience in here when I record to uh, respond to that. L- yes, Ronan Keating wrote that song, The Long Goodbye, got it to number three, the first of three new entries in the top three. Again, a, a big week for new entries. It's kind of got a unexplored history. So The Long Goodbye was originally written by Ronan, but as a country track which was recorded by an artist called Brooks and Dunn. Kind of neither better nor worse, really. The song is kind of so undistinctive that you really could kind of do anything to it and it would be neither egregious nor good. One thing I'll say about it is it is... This song is a lie. It is. It's a complete lie because... That is not a long goodbye at all. Let's let's quickly listen to that again. That's not even a second. My audio player is here is telling me that is nine tenths of a second. That's not a long goodbye at all. Here's what a true long goodbye is, okay? Okay, I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Goodbye. You'll be hearing from my lawyers, Ren and Keating, you liar. Good. I'm going to take a quick breath after that. I feel it could have gone longer, but I feel... Maybe it was irritating to listen to, I don't know. I guess it's probably too late to worry about what's irritating to listen to. We are in irritating territory. There are some clunkers in this chart. Not to throw shade at what we have left. Two songs left. So I will give you a read-through of the top 40 and then play straight into number two which means that we know what our new number one is for the 10th of may 2003 so what have we got left craig david featuring stings rise and fall and happiness by tom craft two legends teaming up one big chart act and one heritage act they're taking the five featuring queen root to try and get a number one and although that song was one of the worst number ones ever it was a number one so it's a good strategy and then a dance track that's been well hyped by the DJs of Radio 1. Judge Jules played it on his show a lot and really tried to get it 
to the top of the charts, just like I'm going to do with When I See You by Macy Gray when this podcast takes off, is Judge Jules able to beat the juggernaut of Craig David and Sting? I don't know, but, you know, Charlie Simpson could beat Robbie Williams, Danny Bedefield could beat Madonna. Anything can happen on the May 2003. Everyone's gearing up for the Iraq War. Everything's very tense. Run through of the chart so far. Destination, D-Tape featuring Roxanne Wilde. 39, Love Doesn't Have to Hurt, Atomic Kitten. 38, New Entry, Thinking Over, Dana Glover. 37, When I See You, Macy Gray. 36, New Entry, Just Be Dubbed to Me, Revelation. 35, To Love a Woman, Lionel Richie and Enrique Iglesias. 34, Tonight slash Miss You Nights by Westlife. 33, Laundromat slash Don't Mess With My Man by Nivea. 32, Virtuality by V-Birds. 33, New Entry, Hypnotising, Kid Cream. 30, Excuse Me Miss, Jay-Z. 29, Sunrise, Simply Red. 28, Speechless, D-Side. 27, I'm With You, Avril Lavigne. 26, New Entry, Stuck in a Groove, Pure Tone. 25, Knockout, Triple Eight. 24, Out of Time, Blur. 23, Scandalous, Mystique. 22, A-D-I-D-A-S, Killer Mike and Big Boy. 21, I Can't Read You, Daniel Beddingfield. 20, American Life. 19, Born to Try, Delta Goodrum. 18, Spirit in the Sky, Gareth Gates and the Kumars. 17, All I Have, Jennifer Lopez and LL Cool J. 16, New Entry, The Jump Off, Lil' Kim and Mr. Cheeks. 15, Come Undone, Robbie Williams. 14, Seven Nation Army, The White Stripes. 13, Damaged by Plummet. 12, Cry by Kim Marsh. 11, Move Your Feet, Junior Senior. And into the top 10. 10, Don't Let Go, David Snedden. 9, Make Love, Room 5 and Oliver Cheatham. 8, Ex Gone by DMX. 7, Into Club, 50 Cent. 6, All Over, Lisa Mafia. 5, Can't Nobody, Kelly Rowland. 4, You Said No by Busted. 3, A New Entry, Long Goodbye by Ronan Keating. And number 2, Blinded by all the pretty girls I see I'm beginning to lose my integrity Sometimes in life you feel the fight is over yes it has risen but only so far to number two rise and fall craig david featuring sting not quite able to get that next number one for craig david had a number one with seven days the song in which I thought it was I met this girl on Monday, took her for a drink on Tuesday, we were making love by Wednesday, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, child on Sunday. They their love making so intense that it rush released the pregnancy process to four days. But that wasn't in fact the case. It was chilled on Sunday. That song, number one, as I said, but Rise and Fall only got to number two despite the combined forces of Craig David and Sting. I looked this song up. Originally, Craig David just wanted to get approval for a sample from Sting, but Sting was like, no, no, I'm going to duet with you. I'm going to re-record vocals. It's going to be great. I think, quite frankly, that's ridiculous. I think only a complete coward wouldn't be able to stand up to Sting. Oh, I'm so sorry. My uh, 2003 era Nokia mobile phone is ringing. So I'm just going to answer that. Just bear with me. Hello? Oh, oh, hi, Sting. Oh, 
Oh yeah, no, no, no. I know who you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, Roxanne. Yeah. Oh yeah, I really love your your work. So uh, yeah, what what are you looking for? Uh, oh, you wanna you wanna jump on the? Uh, but no, but I'm already. Uh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll um I'll uh, speak to your people and uh yeah, I'll get you to um I'll get you to send you some recording dates. Uh yeah, okay. Okay, bye mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so join us next week in which uh this show will be co-hosted by Sting. So that's nice. Uh always wanted to work with him, so that's a great that's a great pleasure. We only have one song left, so it must be our number one. It did it. Judge Jules his power written as an instrumental by a german house producer called thomas brooker he found a track called share the love by andrea martin Thomas Brooker found that song amazingly in a charity shop, which is where he said he got all of his records. So I guess this is the number one that we have to thank Sue Ryder for. So thank you very much, Sue. I'm not sure is our Sue Ryder charity shops is that a is that a national thing or is that just a Bristol thing? I'm not sure. But anyway, thank you to Dr. Bernardo for your charity shops, which have graced us with this week's number one. And Brooker said of the song in the book One Thousand UK Number One Hits, a must read. The lyrics, he's German, by the way, so. The lyrics say that happiness seems to be loneliness and loneliness killed my world. It doesn't really make much sense to me either, but I prefer it because of that. I like the idea that he's a bit crazy. I just like that kind of record. Another creative genius there who was able to enlighten us on the creative presence, just like Avril Lavigne was earlier. So we are about to hear our number one single for the 10th of May 2003, Happiness by Tom Craft. But first, we need to do all of the usual podcast post-amble stuff. And there is news on this front. You can email us. We take anonymous tips about Naughty's pop stars. We take praise and we take issues of smash hits or other such pop paraphernalia via post. We accept everything at the2000schartshow at gmail.com. That's 2002000s, the2000schartshow at gmail.com. We are at 2000schartshow, again with the numbers but without the the, on Twitter. And we are looking for other places where we're going to do social media. Our playlist where you can hear every one of the songs that we've played today in full that is on Spotify can be heard on Spotify but the best way to find that is via the links on the Twitter page so please follow there and give five star reviews everyone always says that they say it helps who am I to disagree and we need all the help we can get because we are dealing with some you know it's easy if you're being like oh what did Kanye West do this week let's talk about that for an hour I've got to get two hours out of V-Birds like it's a tough job so for some support if you've been enjoying what we've been doing and I'm going to leave you with congratulations to Thomas Brooker congratulations to Andrea Martin and their work on happiness this week's number one But wait, just one more thing. Just when you thought it was safe to turn off the podcast, there is one last Top Trumps card to go. Tom Craft, funnily enough, didn't have a Top Trumps card, but who did? 
It's Mr. Craig David. The battle for the pop stars is on. Craig David in the blue corner in his beanie hat. Charlie Simpson in the red corner. His eyebrows bushy enough to constitute a hat. But who will win? For ultimate fairness, I'm going to allow my unnamed computer aid device thing to pick a number. And that number will be the category that Craig David and Charlie Simpson will battle on. Hey Google, pick a number between one and six. Here's a random number, five. Okay, thank you very much, unnamed AI assistant tool. So that means that the battlefield for pop supremacy that Craig and Charlie will be fighting on is height. That spells bad news for Craig because, as you remember, Charlie is the poshest, tallest man in pop. But let's find out exactly how tall he is. So, in height, and I don't know whether this includes the very spiky hair or not, but regardless, Charlie Simpson is 190 centimetres tall. But how tall is Craig? Well, the crowd's not going to say bow selector tonight because Craig David is only 185 centimetres tall, meaning this week... Our reigning pop legend is Charlie Busted. And I'll leave you to dwell on that for the rest of the week. Goodbye.